You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. Uh, last Sunday, if you were here, we talked about uh, rediscovering the history of Christmas. Our theme in December is pure Christmas. A lot of trappings around Christmas, are, they're not wrong, but it can take us away from the real meaning. So we're trying to peel back some of the layers and just get dive into the real meaning, get right up to the headwaters of Christmas and rediscover it, rediscover the history. Last week, we talked about the history, and we went back even to the genealogy of Jesus, and we discovered that God jumped into a mess, is what he did. We gave you the illustration of a boy who had died in the prairies in the, a few years ago. He was only seven years old. He jumped into a river, or fell into a river, and he was struggling to get out, and nobody jumped in to save him. It was an absolute tragedy. When the police arrived, they said, why didn't somebody save him? They discovered that upstream there was a, a sewage treatment plant, and nobody wanted to jump in and get themselves dirty, risk disease, and as a result, the boy died. It's a tragic story, but we learned something from it in that when Jesus came to this earth, it was a mess. We read about scandal. We read about uh, hardship last week we read about grief there's grief in the story there's jealousy there's refugees in the story there's confusion there's fear and into all of that god jumps into the sewage and rescues us he goes into the the mess and makes a message out of it it's, it's a great analogy of what god did for us when he came to this earth to save us god is a holy god and he could have very very easily said i am a holy god I am not going to get dirty. I'm not going to jump into that. Uh, clean yourself off, and then you can come be in my presence. Instead, he gets into the mess, and he redeems us, cleans us, so that we can be in his presence. That's, in a nutshell, last week's message. And if you, if you missed that, you can get that online or pick up a CD after the service. Today, we're going to talk about rediscovering the joy. Last week, rediscovering history. Today, rediscovering joy. Joy in essence, follows faith. Joy follows faith. So that's, that's the big idea for this message today. So let's say that out loud together. Joy follows faith. All right, that's one more time. Joy follows faith. And just one more time to really nail it, all right? Joy follows faith. Okay, that'll help you as we go through the message. We're going to build around that. In... A few years ago, there was a guy by the name of David Myers, Dr. David Myers, and he, he got a book called, he wrote a book called The Pursuit of Happiness. And he discovered that over the last 17 years in the United States, I'm not sure it would be for Canada, probably very similar, but in the United States, there was 80,000 research projects done on depression. And so he said, well, how many projects have been done on joy? And he found 400 on joy. And that kind of speaks of what happens. There's a lot of emphasis on the negative, on depression, on the hurt, but not much on joy or how to discover joy. In the Christmas season, we know it to be a downtime for a lot of people. It's known to be a time of more suicides. There's a, there can be a heaviness over it. But rather, we're going to look today at how do we discover the joy that was there originally. Mary had joy. Shepherds had joy. Wise men had joy. Joy to the world. How do we get that joy? What is that joy? How do I find that joy? How do I have it in my life? We're going to get to that today. Joy really is related to, to good news. The good news is that God called us. He texts you. There's an email in your inbox uh, there's, he's waiting for you to respond. He's been on your Facebook waiting for you to get back. He Twittered you. He communicated to you what he did, but it's up to us to respond. That's why it's 
joy to the world. The message went out to you. And the message is good news. It's not bad news. He didn't, he didn't text you bad news. He didn't email you bad news and say, here's all the things you've done wrong in your life. He's emailed you good news, and now we have to respond. We have to hit the reply button to what he's done. It's good news. Good news. How many had some good news this week? Anybody have good news this week? Here's some good news. Anybody else had good news? All right. Horace, what was your good news? This week, he saw God as his provider this week. That is good news. He is a provider. Anybody else have good news on this side? Okay, this side didn't do so good this week. <laughs> you had good news. Yes, I had some good news. My, my good news was I had to, my, I have a, a, an advisor for my, for my, I'm working on a doctorate of ministry and with doing church and everything, it gets to be a, a little bit, it's hard to get to it. And so anyhow, I had my advisor call me and said, Dave, uh, you have to have this in by Wednesday. They're meeting, and the, uh, this team meets to approve your dissertation, your thesis, so uh, you got to get it in. That was Monday. I had to have it in Wednesday, and I've been thinking about a lot of other stuff. And uh, so my advisor said, lock yourself away with your computer and get her done. And so... I locked myself away, and, uh, and Cheryl helped. Uh, others helped me. But anyhow, I submitted it and uh, held my breath. But he called me Thursday, and he said, Dave, I walked out of the meeting. I have good news for you. They, your, your, yours was approved. So there you go. He said there was 15, and yours was the only one approved. So hallelujah. <laughs> that, was, that was good news. That was good news, yeah. I was glad to have that thing approved now the work begins anyhow it's it's all good how anybody else good news on this side yes fantastic 700 sandwiches along hastings way to go and 12 friends to help you that is good news when you're making 700 sandwiches good for you any other good news yeah Oh, that is a big one. Husband's visa application approved. Way to go. That is good news. That's really good news. I've got to come back to this side. There's got to be one more. There, I knew there'd be one more over here. What's good news? Fantastic. Startup company, off the ground. It got some big companies. That's a huge good news. So good news. Good news. You know what happens when you hear good news? Joy comes. Now, you've only heard a little bit of good news, but how many, your joy meter just went up in the last couple minutes because good news will lift your joy. It, it follows that. And so the good news came, and if we embrace the good news, joy is the result. So we're going to talk about rediscovering that joy and having it in our life. No matter what the world's going through, you can live in a joy. The joy of the Lord really is your strength. If you go back to Nehemiah and study that out, Nehemiah is reading the scriptures. And he's not just reading to them. He's explaining it to them so they understand it. After that, he says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That'll make more sense as we get into the message this morning. So here we go. Joy is discovered, first of all, when you hear the good news. If you can't hear it, there's no chance of joy. Does that make sense? First of all, you've got to hear the good news. Then your joy level went up. For those who were, who were not in the meeting this morning, they didn't hear this good news, so they didn't, that didn't affect their joy meter. But if you hear the good news, your joy increases. So if you're sleeping, you won't hear the good news. Or if there's a lot of other stuff going on, you might miss the good news. The shepherds, Luke 2, verse 8, that night some shepherds were in the fields outside the village guarding their flocks of sheep. The shepherds 
were awake. Uh, they were alert. They heard the good news. As a result of it, they went to the manger. And the end result, again, is they have great joy. It's possible to be sleeping. Now, if you were sleeping earlier in the service now, as we heard all that good news, you, you might have missed it. So, But uh, I didn't see anybody sleeping. But you, you could have missed it if you were sleeping. Or you can miss good news because you got there's other noise going on. Last Sunday, there was an interesting thing happened in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro. Anybody from Brazil here in this afternoon service? I knew we'd find somebody from Brazil. There's a couple of you from Brazil here. Every service, we see somebody from Brazil. And so we had, we, last week, you guys, had, you guys are nuts about your soccer. We're crazy about hockey in Canada. Brazil is crazy about soccer. And they had their, their national soccer championship. And big stadium, lots of people, lots of noise. Well, what they found out, not too far from the stadium, some guys rented a house, even put up a Christmas tree in the house. And underneath the hut, house, they dug a, almost a 500-foot tunnel. And uh, it came up underneath of a place where there's a, uh, a cash... Uh, a company that would distribute money. What's the name of the... Like a Brinks. You know, Brinks that drive around the trucks and distribute money. They, they have a place where they hold the money as they distribute to different banks. And they, they came up underneath that thing. And when the soccer game was on and at the peak of celebration, these guys break into that place. And I don't know if they use dynamite or whatever, but a lot of noise, jackhammers, whatever it is. But they open up that place and they steal almost $6 million dollars of money while the celebration is going on. The security guards are saying, didn't you hear anything? Weren't you aware of what was going on? They said, man, we thought that was just a celebration. We didn't hear anything. There was this big festival going on. So it's possible that there could be something said, but we don't hear it because of all the other noise that goes on. At Christmas, we could miss the message of great joy because there's so many other noises. There's so many other signals around us. What we want to do today is get to the root of it. We want to get to the core of it and have that amazing joy that he talked about. Because it's true. The joy of the Lord really is our strength, especially in turbulent times. So, number one, you have to hear the good news. You can miss the good news if you're awake. If you're not awake or if there's other noise, or you can miss it if you're afraid. In Luke 2.10, the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news of great joy for everyone. Not just any kind of joy, great joy for everyone. That means everybody here this morning, there is great joy for you. Would you look at your neighbor and just say, there is great joy for you. Yeah, it's for everybody. So everybody's included in this. Don't you like God? God's all-inclusive for great joy for everybody. Now, somebody said, well, why did Jesus come to this earth as a baby? You know why he came to this earth as a baby? I think one of the biggest reasons, God sent his son to come as a human in the likeness, the Bible says, of sinful flesh. He came in an earth suit. He came as a baby not to scare us. God could have showed up with a demonstration of a lot of power, of a lot of might, a lot of splendor, a lot of majesty. He could have showed up that way, and it would have freaked us out. We would have gone, what is this, some alien? You know, we would have, we were out of there. God didn't come that way. He came as a baby. We could all relate because we've all been a baby. If you haven't been a baby, please talk to me afterwards. We've got a special prayer for you. We have... But he, we, we can relate. He came as a baby. He, he didn't come as, he is royalty, but he came in a manger. He came in a way that we could relate to him, not to scare us. It's good news. 
And we can listen when we're not afraid. If you're afraid, it's very hard to hear. So he came as a baby, and he came so we could hear the good news. Secondly, more importantly here, is joy is discovered when faith is exercised. If faith is not exercised, it's very hard to discover this joy. In our Bible, a little Bible study we have at the beginning of our prayer meetings, we have about 10, 15 minutes of just a little Bible study, and we go to prayer on Saturday mornings. And folks, in that little time of Bible study, this last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the importance of prayer and faith. The two go hand in hand. You, you can't really have prayer without faith. If you don't mix faith in your prayer, all you've got is words. And words don't change much. Just words spoken out there aren't going to change much. But if you will add just a couple of drops of faith... It's going to change everything. Now, you ladies you, that bake bread, you know that you don't need a lot of yeast for it to work. You just need a little bit of yeast, and, and it works. When I was in industrial arts in school, we called it shop class, we'd work with resin, plastic, and our teacher said, no, you just need a couple drops of catalyst, and it's going to make this plastic harden. You don't need a lot, just a couple little drops, and it's going to work. That's what faith does in your prayers. You don't need a lot of faith, mustard seed faith, but you mix faith in your words, and as a result, there's substance. Hebrews says, Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. When you add a little bit of faith to your prayers, the result is substance. Something takes place. Something that wasn't before now is. You know what was not before? This uh, church meeting in this facility. But a number of years ago, we were here almost 10 years ago, and we prayed, God, grant us a place to meet in the heart of the city. This looks impossible. But we added a little bit of faith to our words. Today, there's substance. You're sitting in the substance. You're meeting in the substance. It's the substance of our prayer. Today, there is uh, uh, a visa that went through. That's substance to prayer. There was a little bit of faith mixed in with some words. Today, there's something tangible. There's evidence to the prayers. There's a company that got launched. There's, there's clients that have come in because there's faith mixed with words. Just words won't do it, but mix faith with it, and choo, there's a reaction that takes place. Something that wasn't there before shows up. Now, the people that uh, know Hebrew would know this better than I would. The Old Testament's written in Hebrew, and when we study the Hebrew language, we find they had five words for trust, faith and trust, same thing, five words for trust. And we have one word. So if you took all five, you'd get different angles, different perspective, perspectives of it. If you study love in the Greek language, they have three words, we have one. So, but when you look at all the different words for it, you get a bigger picture. So if we take the word trust and we go back to their words and study it out, we get a bigger picture of what it means to trust. So here's a couple of words. Number one, one word they have for trust is the word kasa. Kasa means to take cover or refuge. That's one of their words. And with their words, they have word pictures. The word picture for this kasa is a mother hen gathering its chicks under its wings. That's a picture of trust. When a, we would say today, 
a dad walking his little girl across the street and she takes his hand. That's kasah, that's trust. I, I trust you, daddy, to take care of me. Uh, it's that place of refuge, place of protection. A number of years ago, there was an English minister, and he's on his way home. On his way home, he hits an amazing storm, incredible storm, downpour, lightning. It's a mess. And as he walks through that storm, he finds a rock cleft, and he gets underneath the rock here, and the rain is pouring down, but he stands here in safety. He's protected. He is that Hebrew word. He's in a place of refuge. He's in a place of coverage. That's, that's one of the definitions of faith. We're in a place of coverage. The Bible says, I run to the rock. Now, he wrote a song out of that experience, which some of you might know. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. Where did he get that from? From that experience. I trust myself in God. There's all kinds of junk going around my life. In your business world, there can be a lot of junk going on. In your family, there can be a lot of junk. In life, there's a lot of drama, right? What do you do when there's a lot of drama going on? You go under here and say, got a lot of drama, protect me from the drama of life. Okay, so that's one of the definitions of the word trust or faith. Another definition or word that they use is the word aman, which means confidence, great certainty. Beyond believing, just to knowing, I know that I know that I know in my knower. That's another word for trust. Let's say uh, you had somebody after you leave the church today, you walk outside onto Georgia Street, and somebody walks up to James Pham, and they say, James, what's your name? And he, no, my name is James Pham. And they say, no, it's not. And James, what would James say? James said, no, no, my name's James Pham. They go, no, it's not. Your name's not James Pham. And he'd go, whatever, nice meeting you. And so somebody else would come along and say, your name's not James Pham. He goes, no, no, I don't know what's with this, but my name is James Pham. And so he walks a little ways down the street, and somebody else comes up, hey, what's your name? Uh, uh, he's a little more cautious now. My name's James Pham. No, it's not. Your name's not James Pham. I mean, he could have 100 people tell him his name's not James Pham, and he knows they're all crazy because I know that I know my mommy, my daddy named me James Pham. It's on my birth certificate. It's on my driver's license. It's on my passport. I know my name is James Pham. That's this level of confidence. I know whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. That's just, just I know that I know. It's like telling me, Jesus didn't rise from the dead. No, no, he rose from the dead. I, I know that. It's, 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 it's beyond just a wondering. It's, I know it's a trust. It's a faith. So that's another one of the words they use. Then another interesting word they use, and I need a prop for it. It's the word uh, batak. And I don't know if I pronounce this right. But anyhow, if you're a Hebrew scholar, please forgive me. Batak. And batak means security without fear. Stability. Security without fear. I don't have a staff today. The word picture is a staff. They would take a staff and you could lean upon the staff and you have stability. It's, it's trustworthy. There's security in it. So I don't have staff. You don't use a staff, but we use chairs. So let's use the chair as the word picture today. Now, when you came into the service this afternoon, I, I noticed something. None of you checked out the pew. You may have checked out where you're going to sit, but none of you went and said, hmm, I wonder if that pew is going to hold me. Is that strong enough? 
What kind of wood is that made out of anyhow? Are those screws tight? I wonder the last time they've been tightened. Let me just check out this pew. You know who sat here last? You know how heavy they were? Is this thing safe for me? When was this built? Hmm. These are the original. Were the pews restored as well as the rest of the building? Before I sit down on there, I just want to make sure that it's going to hold me. No, you, you exercised faith when you sat down, you, right? You trusted it. You said, I'm going to put my weight on it. I'm not going to crash. I'm not going to fall to the floor. And guess what? You're still doing okay. I don't see anybody crashing. You're all, you're all doing pretty good sitting there in the pew. And so this is the word batak, which means security without fear or confidence. It means that you can put your full weight on it and know you're secure. You can put your full weight on God's word and know that he's good for his word. If he said it, it's true. You can put your weight, you can put your trust into it. If your daddy said he's going to do it, your daddy's going to do it. If God says this is the way it is, then that's the way it is. So that trust, that faith, it means that I can put my full weight onto it. That's trust. I, I sat down in faith. I, I trusted the chair would hold me. And guess what? It's, it's holding me. Here I am. So that, that's faith. That's trust. It's, it's holding up my weight. It's, it's taking the pressure off. So that's, that's the definition of faith. Now, now stay with me. We're going to get to joy. Some of you are wondering, we're a long way from joy, Pastor. Okay, wait. We're going to get there. Now, let me, let me give you an example to help. The chair is now in the mall, okay? You got Christmas in your mind. You got a mall like Pacific Center or, or uh, Metro Town, okay? You got one of those malls in your mind. And, I, and I'm, I'm shopping with Cheryl. I'm shopping with my wife. Now, guys, I don't know how it is for you when you go shopping, but sometimes it's like this when Cheryl, not always, but sometimes it's like this when we go shopping. We'll go along and we will go into a store. And we'll look around and we'll go out of the store. And we'll go into another store and we'll look around and we'll go out of the store. Then we'll go into another store, we'll look around and we will buy something. I will carry the bag because that's what I do. I carry the bags. And then we'll go into another store and go out of a store. Then we'll go into another store and look around and I'll carry some more bags. And then we'll walk down the mall. Two hours have passed, three hours have passed. We'll go into a mall, I'll look around and we'll find some more stuff. After a while, I really don't want to go into any more stores, but she's pretty keen on still going to more stores. So I will be holding the bags and she says, I just, Dave, Jane, I just want to go to one more store. Do you mind waiting? Oh, look, isn't that beautiful? Oh, that is so adorable. Don't you just love that dress? Oh, man. I don't want to go to one more dress store. Okay. I don't, I'm just, you know what, honey? Why don't you just go on, take your time, go in and look around. And she's almost relieved that I'm not there looking over her shoulder, trying to accelerate the process. So she's like, okay, I'll go in. So there I'm standing outside the store. I'm holding all the bags, and she went inside. We've been doing this for a number of hours, okay? The coffee's long wore off, and you're just, you're, you're, you're tired. And then you look over, and you see a chair. Now, guys, if you've ever been shopping, you, you, you look for a place to sit down, right? I, I think every store that has a place for men to sit down while their women shop deserves extra points. And so, yeah, somebody's been there, done that. And so I see a chair, and I go, oh, 
I am so tired. My feet are tired. My arms are tired. And I sit down and I put my faith in it, my trust in the chair. And now, what am I feeling when I sit down on the chair? I feel relief, right? The weight's gone. I don't have all my weight on my feet. I feel relief. I feel a sense of, by definition, joy is calm delight. I feel delighted. I feel restful. Isn't it easier to rest when the weight of the world is off you, when you can relax, when there's joy? So I feel relieved. I feel calm. I feel glad. I am enjoying life, right? This, This is joy. Right now, I'm experiencing joy. Actually, it's a pretty good way to preach. I could, I could get into this. You say, hey, everybody, you're sitting. I should sit. It only sounds fair to me. <laughs> but I'm quite enjoying this. So I, I, this is joy. But how many know I couldn't experience the joy if I had the chair and I went, I have all this heavy weight, all this burden, and I'm going, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want to sit down. How do I know that that chair is really going to hold me? I mean, where was it designed? I mean, how long has it been here? Uh, I'm not sure I like the color. Gray is kind of a down color. I don't know if I, I want to sit in there with it. It was a bright color. I mean, I could really spend a long time examining the chair, right? Because it's a bit of a mystery to me whether the chair would really hold me or not. I mean, it might not, right? So there, there could be some mystery around it. But at some point, I said, you know, I'm going to trust the chair. And the minute I trust it, put my weight on it, ah, joy. This is, I know, a very simple illustration. But when you put your weight on God's word, when you trust him, the result is joy. The joy doesn't come beforehand. The joy that's spoken about by the angels, for Mary, for the shepherds, for the wise men, the joy they experienced at Christmas was a result of their faith. They trusted God. The result was joy. It wasn't dependent on the circumstances. It was because they could put their faith, their trust in God. Now, let's look at a couple of scriptures very simply. It's in your notes, James 1, 2, and 3. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, whenever trouble comes your way, Go to the bar and have a couple of beer. No, it doesn't say that, does it? Whenever trouble comes your way, smoke a joint and you'll all feel better. It, no, it doesn't say that. Whenever trouble comes your way, go to the mall and escape by shopping. Whenever trouble comes your way, turn on some quiet music. Whenever trouble comes... No, it says, whenever trouble comes your way... Now, this is going to surprise you. Let it be an opportunity for joy. Well, that doesn't make any sense. How could trouble be an opportunity for joy? Come on, James, what are you talking about? Let's finish the verse. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. How can trouble be an opportunity for joy? Because in trouble, there's weight, there's this heaviness. But the minute I trust God with my challenges and rest in him, the result is joy. Folks, we have something the world doesn't have. They've got happiness based on their circumstances, but we have a joy, inexpressible, unexplainable, that carries us through life's challenges, supports us, 
It doesn't make any sense why we're not down, why we're not depressed when everything's going sideways. What do you have? I'm not carrying this myself. My faith, I'm resting on God's word, and as a result of it, there is this amazing joy. Now, a couple of verses that are going to help us. Let's look at Mary, because Mary had joy. We're going to the headwaters of the Christmas story. It's a lot about joy. Mary discovers joy when she believes the mystery of the virgin birth. Luke 1.38, Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. She's talking to the angel. Let it, now watch very carefully here. It's in your notes. Let it be to me according to your word. In other words, let it be to me according to what you've said. I will trust. I'll put my full weight on what you've said. She's 15, maybe. She's a virgin. She's dreamt of a wedding. An angel shows up and says, you're going to get pregnant without knowing anybody, and the child you carry will be the savior of the world. How many know that's a big deal? But she puts her trust in God and says, okay, let it be according to your word. Is it a mystery? Yeah. Did she understand it all? No. But she embraces it. Do we understand? Can we explain with nice, neat lines and concepts every way the Trinity works? No, but we embrace it. Can we explain every which way how God will return, how Jesus will return? No, but I embrace it. It's a mystery. A lot of the things are still a mystery to us, but we embrace it. The chair we sit on is a bit of a mystery, but I embrace it. Now, Rob Bell, I put this note in your, or this quote in your notes he said this is very it's a good quote the moment god has figured out with nice neat lines and definitions we are no longer dealing with god we are dealing with somebody we made up being a christian then is more about celebrating mystery than conquering it we celebrate the virgin birth i can't conquer it i can't explain it totally but i can sure celebrate it i can't explain totally what it means to have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, how God could come and be amongst us. It's a bit of a mystery, but I celebrate it. This is trust. This is faith. And when Mary does that, look what happens in Luke chapter 1, verse 45 to 47. Her Aunt Elizabeth says, Blessed is she who believed, who trusted, who put her weight on that, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, the result of faith, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Are you getting the connection? Trust God, put your weight on it. The result is this explosion of joy in your heart. Yeah. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen you love. Who have you not seen but you love? Jesus. I have not seen him, but I love him. I love him with all my heart. Peter goes on to say, though you do not see him, yet believing, believing, putting your weight on it, trusting him, yet believing, what? You rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. It is possible to go through the Christmas season and not have this great joy. But the minute you put your faith and your trust in what God said, there's this amazing explosion of joy in our lives here's another verse it's not in your notes write it down if you like philippians 125 i am convinced of this paul says so i'll continue with you so that you will grow and experience the joy of your faith these two are connected oh 
The wise men discovered joy when the star reappears. The star reappears. Now, these wise men, you know what? Their story of faith, I don't think, has never really been told. They're often skipped over, and they just kind of show up at a manger scene. But if the, if the truth be told, it's more than just to print Christmas cards and make a lot of money. There's, there's something behind these wise men. The wise men are Persians. They, they, they come from Persia, and they, these guys are wealthy businessmen and very smart. They study the stars. And one day, a star appears to them. They're studying the skies. That's what they did. They studied the skies. They're wealthy. They're smart, educated leaders in their country. They're studying the stars, and they see one, and they know from what Daniel wrote earlier that this pointed to the coming king, Messiah. And these guys get it. Daniel lived in their country. He wrote things down. They were readers. They understood the times, the seasons. And they say, okay, that points. Now is the time the king has come. So they go down to the local Starbucks, and they're talking to their, no pun intended. I thought that was good. That just came to me. I could use that. I should write that one down. They go to their local Starbucks and they, and they sit down. They're talking to their buddies. They say, you know what? We just, we, we've seen the star in the east. And uh, we're, we're heading out. We're packing up tomorrow. And uh, we're going to take some gifts and we're going to present them to the king. And they said, where did you see this? They talk, and it sounds so foolish. It sounds, their idea sounds so outrageous. But they said, we're going to do it. We're going to. Uh, we're going to take care of the bank accounts. We're going to take care of the finances. We're going to get some guides. We're going to get our camels ready. And we're going to launch out on a journey that will take months and months to cross the sands to get to this other country to celebrate the king. And they do. Now, there's more than three, okay? I know you're, we, we sing the song, We Three Kings of Orientar. Dun, da, dun, da, dun, da, dun, dun, Makes a nice Christmas card. And they go over the sandy... Uh, hills and you have a star there in the background but the truth of the matter is these great men of faith there was more than three likely there was maybe a hundred they gave three gifts but nowhere in the bible does it say there were three they launch out on this journey but here's the kicker the star goes out it's absolutely true the star does not shine all the way to where they're going that's your life Because God gives you an idea, he gives you a dream, he gives you a vision, and you go, wow. You tell your friends about it, and some of them think you're crazy, some of them think it's good, but you go for it, and you map it out, you write it down, you journal, and say, I have got an idea, I have got a vision, I'm going to start this business, and I'm going to do this, or I'm going to go to school, and you launch out, and guess what happens? About 20 miles down the road, where did that star go? The feeling's gone. The camaraderie's gone. And it's like, uh, I got the right direction. Now, you have a choice. At that moment, you can either retreat and go back to safe ground, or you press on. These wise men pressed on. We are going for it. The star goes out. They keep going. They arrive in Jerusalem. We know the star is out because they say, where is he born of uh, the king? Where is this king born, king of the Jews? And nobody knows. And then the Bible says the star which they had seen, past tense, when it reappears, they have this inexpressible joy. 
And these, they're high-fiving one another. Yeah, there's the star. We saw it. It's up there again. And they're so excited. And they find Jesus. What happened first? Faith. Trust. They put their weight on the prophecies of Daniel, the words of God. These are Persians. They're not Jews. They're Gentiles. But they trusted God. And they came bringing gifts. Gold, representing Jesus as a king. Frankincense, representing he's our high priest. Myrrh, embalming fluid for the dead, representing he will be our savior, would die for us. Very significant gifts they brought. They bring them to Jesus. And when they see it, these guys have an expressible joy. But what came before the joy, folks? Faith, trust. They put their weight and trust in what God did. Same thing with the shepherds. The shepherds heard. Angels came, told them what happened in Bethlehem. Child's born. Go there and see him. The shepherds could have said, you know what? Don't want to make that journey into Bethlehem. I'm happy right where I am. I got a little fire here. Got the sheep here. I think I'll just stay right where I am. Thank you very much. They could have done that. But they didn't. They heard God's word. They embraced God's word. Was it a bit of a mystery? I think so. Was it a bit of a mystery for these wise men? I think so. Was it a bit of a mystery for Mary? I think so. Is it a bit of a mystery for you to embrace God's word? I think so. But if we do, that's what faith is. I don't understand it all, but I'm not leaning on my understanding. I'm trusting you with all my heart. Folks, that's when joy comes and kicks in. And joy is our strength. Amen. Yeah, give God a big hand because he gives that to us. So joy comes when we hear good news. Joy comes when we... Rest on God's promises of faith, by faith. And then, one other thing, joy comes when we share it. Let's go back to the mall, okay? We're back in the mall. We've come out of the store, and Cheryl bought a few more bags. So I've got six in each arm now, and it's my official job. And I do it with joy. I, I like to do it. And so we're, we're walking back, and as we're walking along, I see this lady approaching. The lady looks very tired. She looks wore out. So much so that I say to her, man, how are you doing, ma'am? You, you look pretty tired. She, oh, man, this shopping's wearing me out, all this Christmas stuff. I'm, I'm beat. I am so tired. I said, have I got good news for you? She goes, oh, I could use some good news today. What is it? You see that chair over there? That chair is amazing. I test drove it. I tried it. It's steady. It's sure. I'd get over there before somebody else does. Sit down. Take a load off your legs. I know it's hard to find these spots around the mall. Get over there. Take a load off your feet. You'll enjoy it. And she goes, oh, thank you. I didn't see that. She heads over there, and she sits down. She says, ah. Now, guess what happens to me? My joy meter goes up because I see her joy go up, right? One of the greatest things that brings joy in our life is when we share the good news of what God's done in our life with other people, especially over Christmas. Want to have a lot of joy in Christmas? Tell somebody else. It's one of the easiest times of the year to tell others. Tell them, hey, this is what Christmas means to me. Point them to the chair, so to speak, to faith in God and watch your joy also increase as you do that. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.